0: Rebecca? Yes, JB. Do you remember when I first called you and asked you to do this with me?
1: I do. I do.
0: So just out of curiosity, why did you say yes? What were you thinking?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Really good question. What was I thinking? (laughs) Let me tell you why I said yes. First up, I've known you for many, many years. I admire your work and we've worked together and had a lot of fun. So I said, why not? Why not do this? And when you shared what this season of the podcast is going to be about, I said, absolutely. We had a shared purpose in it.
0: A shared purpose. That's what we established in that initial call. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Okay, JV. Now, you know, you have to tell me. What were you thinking when we started this podcast?
0: Oh, I called you because we have a longstanding relationship. And I trust you. And I knew that you would bring out a different side of me and that we would sort of compliment each other, but I like what you just said a moment ago. I had not thought of this and you clarified it for me that we had a shared purpose, a shared purpose to bring these stories out to listeners, people who care about their own leadership and Disney leadership as an example that they can learn from. So I think that's a great setup for who we have as our guests today.
1: Oh my gosh. I totally agree.
0: Yeah, today's guest is Barry Jacobson, former Disney leader in premium experiences and events. And he's going to tell us about how you can take care of your people, build those relationships and deliver on your purpose.
1: Please stay with us.
0: Welcome. I'm your host, JB Adams.
1: And I'm your host, Rebecca Morgan. In this series, we bring you conversations with experienced leaders.
0: Because a leader is anyone who influences change, we wanna understand not just what leaders do, but who they are and how they can be effective in a rapidly changing world.
1: We hope you'll learn some things about our guests, about our topic, and also about yourself.
0: This is Leadership Life Stories.
1: You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media Group shows on our website at victormediagroup.co.
0: And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. We'll be right back after this important message.
1: Well, hi there listeners, it's Rebecca Morgan. If you told my younger self, you are going to love talking about leadership. And when you grow up, you will lead hundreds and develop thousands of managers and leaders and create great places to work. I would have laughed at the idea because I was focused on becoming a dolphin trainer. Yeah, while I still love dolphins, what I really love to do is leadership development. So much so that I created the Awesome Leader League, the ultimate collection of people-centered leadership skills to help you be a better leader. If you're looking for ways to become more confident in an effective people-centered leader that people will trip over their own feet to follow, this is your resource. And did I mention we do it in 20 minutes or less? Join us now at theawesomeleaderleague.com.
0: Welcome to Leadership Life Stories. I'm JB Adams, and my co-host is Rebecca Morgan. This season of Leadership Life Stories is devoted to examining Disney leadership as the Walt Disney World Resort celebrates its 50th anniversary.
1: Today's guest is Barry Jacobson. He's a 37-year veteran of the Walt Disney Company, holding leadership positions in resort operations in corporate meetings and events. And he holds particular expertise in what we might call Disney's premium experiences, which includes Disney's Fairytale Weddings, Golden Oak Homes, and Club 33.
0: He currently serves as owner and founder of Barry Jacobson Consulting, providing premium design services to help clients build a culture of excellent leadership, employee engagement, and quality service.
1: In this segment, you'll hear Barry Jacobson describe his leadership philosophy, why Disney leadership is a big deal, and what he learned from several Disney leadership role models.
0: Barry Jacobson, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, JB and Rebecca. It's sure great to be with both of you.
0: All right, Barry, we always start by asking, what is your leadership philosophy?
2: I always like to think about the people that are most important to the operation, and that is everyone who does the day-to-day job. So I always say, take care of your people, and they're going to take care of your guests.
0: All right, that's, that's a very succinct statement, and you make it sound simple. Why do you think a lot of leaders don't get this?
2: I think that they forget uh, because you get into a position of leadership, and you think you are the leader, and you're all-knowing, and you have to be the person running every operation. But that is not true. It's every single person. Everybody matters in that organization for the end-to-end experience. And it's your people that make things happen. And that's, that's what I learned early on at Disney. Hire the right people, train them right, treat them right, and they're gonna deliver on the guest experience.
1: So cool. Okay, but I gotta ask, Barry, we have some skeptics to address who might be thinking, this is no big deal. So what? You know what? You were a leader at a theme park and worked in the leisure and entertainment industry. You know, Barry, is this a big deal?
2: Oh, yes. It's a real big deal. You know, everybody who's in business is there to make a profit. Many have responsibilities to shareholders. Even if you're a nonprofit, you have responsibilities to deliver on a business. So it is a big deal. And getting your people on board to understand they have a common purpose to come to work every single day And to deliver on that messaging so at you know walt disney world obviously uh, and at disney early on walt set it up give the people a great time make them happy make sure they come back so it is a big deal
1: okay so let me ask barry is being a disney leader a big deal for you and can you tell me what it means to be a disney leader
2: well being a disney leader is is one that i hold in the highest esteem and you know we learn in an early portion of our hiring process that we are living up to the ideals and the values of our founder, Walt Disney. And Walt knew what he was doing. He set forth certain values and behaviors that were expected. So every day you come to work as a leader, you have a huge accountability and responsibility to uphold the values of the company. So it's a big deal again, doing what I do every day or what I did every day for 37 years. All
0: right, Rebecca, we are going to jump out of the interview for just a moment so that we can do some context setting as Barry Jacobson describes his Disney leadership role models. Are you ready?
1: Oh yeah, let's do it.
0: One of the people that Barry will mention is Dave Vermeulen.
1: Oh, of course. He was a Disney executive in parks and resorts and worked in many different park locations around the world. And we interviewed him specifically, you can find it in season two, episode four and five.
0: That's right. He's also going to mention Lee Cockrell. Who's Lee Cockrell?
1: Oh my gosh, it's Quiz Rebecca Day. Okay. Uh, Lee Cockrell was executive vice president of operations at Walt Disney World. And we've mentioned him on the show before.
0: Yes, of course. And I'm sure we'll mention him again. And his third Disney leadership role model is Hideo Amamea.
1: Ah, Disney legend who started at the Polynesian Resort and eventually became the director of resort operations at Walt Disney World and then played a key role in the development of Tokyo Disneyland.
0: So now you're ready to listen as Barry Jacobson describes what he learned from several Disney leadership role models.
1: And did you have a Disney role model? And how did this person demonstrate Disney leadership to you?
2: Well, it's funny you uh, say that, I had many role models, one of which was one of your guests, Dave Vermeulen, who was my first general manager at the Polynesian Resort when I was a 18 year old kid, getting ready to start at University of Central Florida and I was hired at Disney as a lifeguard. But Dave modeled behaviors of leadership for all of us to follow. And I have a little story for that about Dave, I'll never forget it. I was a brand new leader, And um, my leader, one day she parked her car next to Dave's and she didn't see Dave and Dave followed her in. And uh, Dave picked up every piece of paper that she missed on her way in, going back, keep the place clean. And he put a lovely note on her desk with all the papers that said, see me, Dave. And I still tell that story today because Dave modeled the behaviors. Now, was he upset with that manager? No, he just gave her a gentle reminder that, hey, Everybody's watching you. And as a leader at Disney, you have a huge responsibility to model the behaviors expected for every cast member at Walt Disney World.
0: So Barry, can you explain to some of our listeners who may not be familiar with this part of the culture, the expectations of managers on stage and how that gets sustained? I mean, in some cultures, they might say, Hey, I'm the manager. It's not my job to pick up the papers.
2: Yeah, I think when a a particular senior vice president came in by the name of Lee Cockrell, he had a great mindset for our managers. And we were all called either a supervisor or a manager or front desk manager in my case, or recreation manager. And he changed the term, he changed the term to guest service manager. Now, we all knew from the onset of our responsibilities that being on stage being with the guests was clearly important. But when he put the word guest in front of it, you were responsible for the guest. And certainly all your team members, all your cast members, as we call them at Disney, are responsible uh, for the guests. So for me, I always knew that being in the area, inspecting what we expect is a term that uh, another VP used many years ago and I use it today you've got to be out there, you've got to be in your business. And one of my philosophies that I share with a lot of junior managers is you cannot manage from behind your desk. So many people get a lofty title as a manager, as an executive, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you're part of the experience and you have to ensure that that experience is happening the way you want it in any type of business. And so it's important for the managers to be present and be in the area.
0: All right, you have another Disney leadership role model Mm -hmm. from the Polynesian you'd like to mention?
2: Hideo Amamiya. And Hideo was another general manager that I worked for at the Polynesian Resort. He's a Disney legend. Uh, He passed away. He was the vice president of all operations at Disneyland, but he was also instrumental in uh, putting the deal together for Tokyo Disneyland. And uh, Hideo was an amazing teacher. One of my favorite stories of Hideo was he taught me about show. And that's one of the tenets again of Disney, it's show in the areas that are on stage, that are guests facing, everything has to be pristine. And I was responsible as a lifeguard or as a recreation lead to make sure the atriums out front at the Polynesian resort were kept clean. And we used to have koi fish in those atriums as well. And guests would throw coins in there that went to charity. And when I'd keep that area, Again, another tenant in Disney, Safety, I put up orange cones to make sure that guests would not be uh, in that area that could cause them harm when somebody was scraping or cleaning out that atrium. So Hideo grabbed me one day and said, hey, Barry, come with me, stand out here and look, what do you see? I said, well, I see our orange cones, I see we're you know, showing safety he goes, but Barry, those orange cones are horrible. It's a visual intrusion to the show. So Hideo taught me about visual intrusion, making sure there's nothing in the area that would detract from the guest enjoying the show and that sense of arrival into the lobby of the Polynesian resort. So I said, okay, Hideo, I'm going to fix this. So I went to our engineering manager and I said, I need different colored cones. I need something that looks like the Polynesian. So we ordered yellow cones and then we took those cones and we put an applique of the tiki gods around the cones and Hideo was satisfied. But Not Hideo being satisfied with that. He says, now, Barry, I want you to fix the golf carts, the luggage carts that take people to the room. Because again, they were an ugly color. So we reskinned those, repainted those, put the tiki gods on them. And he is just an incredible teacher.
0: I have something and I want to get your reaction to it. Hideo didn't say, this is wrong and here's how I want you to fix it. It sounds like he said, this is not quite up to standards. And he let you figure out how to fix it. Is that fair?
2: Exactly. I would say a lot of the leadership style that I have today is from great leaders like Dave Vermeulen, Tadeo Amamiya, Lee Cockrell, but it's coaching. It's never hit somebody over the head with a hammer. It's teaching and guiding because you want to teach and guide to excellence.
1: J.B. Hey, so what do you think about what Barry shared with us?
0: The main thing that Barry said that got my attention was about the values and behaviors that Disney leaders have. And I experienced this firsthand because I worked for Disney and then I left. And it was only after I left that I realized, wow, Disney is a values based organization and the work gets done because of the values so leaders often find themselves in situations where there's no sop there's no procedure and you have to figure things out but leaders can't be everywhere they can't do everything they need to empower people around them to make decisions so that's where the cultural values come in when the values are strong a leader should be able to go to somebody and say hey we have this situation these are our values go figure it out and that's exactly what hideo amameo did in this story and that's why the disney culture works and that's why hideo is a disney legend because the values were what he was teaching and coaching to Barry. What do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely, I can't agree more with values and they're so important. And gosh, my tip on values would be to repeat them often. It's something that should not just be put up on a wall and say, oh, they're there. No, every single day, we should be talking about values as leaders because that is how you get to the place that you described and Barry described where your team knows what to do based on them. Absolutely love it. All right, two things that Barry said I wanted to talk about. The first one is you can't manage from behind the desk. Absolutely. You can't, you need to be out in the area with your people. The second thing is as a leader, you don't know everything. And so if you are pretending you do, that needs to stop because no one knows everything. Everyone knows that. And by pretending you're fooling no one. So if that's something we're doing, we need to stop that right now and look to our people for help because they're the ones that know a heck of a lot more than we do often.
0: Yeah. And that's why we called this episode, take care of your people.
1: Absolutely.
0: Our guest is Barry Jacobson, and we'll be back in a moment to learn more about his backstory and how he found his way to Disney.
1: Please stay with us. Welcome back to Leadership Life Stories. I'm Rebecca Morgan. My co-host is JB Adams, and our guest is Barry Jacobson, former Disney executive as well as current owner of Barry Jacobson Consulting and premium service design expert. Okay, Barry, we want to learn more about your backstory. And that means JB wants to analyze your personality.
0: Yes, I do. (laughs) Leadership Life Stories presents the Self-Awareness Quiz, featuring the five-factor model that measures the five personality traits of openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Remember, leadership begins with self-awareness, and you can't change your personality as much as you can manage it. So let's take a little time and get to know our guest. So Barry Jacobson, are you ready? Yes. Number one, openness. Do you consider yourself creative or practical? Creative. Number two, conscientiousness. Do you consider yourself disciplined or flexible?
2: Disciplined.
0: Number three, extroversion. Do you consider yourself introverted or extroverted?
2: Oh, definitely extroverted.
0: You couldn't hide it. The fourth (laughs) one is agreeableness. Do you consider yourself compliant or challenging?
2: Challenging.
0: And the fifth one is neuroticism. Do you consider yourself sensitive or steady? Sensitive. All right, Barry Jacobson, you said that you are a creative, disciplined, extroverted, challenging, and sensitive leader. So with this combination of personality factors, what kind of work or environment do you think that you're suited for? And what kind of work or environment are you not suited for?
2: Well, all my life, I think I've always wanted to be on stage. My mom said I should have been an actor or a politician. I love people. I love taking care of other people and helping people to understand the benefit of providing extraordinary service. So for me, a role where I'm able to affect someone's experience, no matter what, that's what I love doing. Now, you asked what I'm not suited for. If you told me that uh, my job entailed that I had to sit behind a desk and pour over spreadsheets all day or P&Ls, I would tell you that's not the role I want to have. Now, I love looking at the numbers. I've gotten much better over the years, but it is not something I love to do every day. So putting me behind a desk and making me sit in an office, especially one without windows, that's not good.
0: Barry Jacobson, thanks for participating in the self-awareness quiz. It's great to get to know you.
1: All right, let's learn more about your early years. Where were you born and raised?
2: Windsor Locks, Connecticut.
1: What generation do you identify with? I
2: would say I'm a maybe post baby boomer, baby boomer error. Okay.
1: Tell us about your parents' occupations.
2: My mom did not really work until I was probably in third grade, and she worked as an administrative assistant in the office of the town mayor. She was a homemaker, but later on in life, she worked at University of Central Florida as a secretary. And that was a great deal because two years of my college were paid because she worked there. And then she and my dad worked together and owned a produce business. My dad uh, was a laborer, a construction worker, a superintendent in Connecticut. When we moved to Florida, he was the superintendent that worked on the Shamu show at SeaWorld and built that show for the SeaWorld operation. And then later on in life, dad put together a produce business, Jan's Produce. My mom's name was Jan, and they did that for many years. That's great.
1: Siblings in birth order.
2: So I'm the oldest, Uh, I have two sisters. We're all about a couple of years apart.
1: As the oldest, what was your role in the family?
2: You know, I felt like I was setting the model for my sisters to emulate being the big brother protector of my two sisters. And I was a swimmer, they became swimmers. We all worked for Disney at one point. My parents actually worked there part-time at at one point in their careers. So the whole family worked at Disney.
0: That's great. Barry, what were some early influences or experiences that shaped your leadership? And uh, did you consider yourself a leader at a young age?
2: You know, that's a good question. That's a very good question. I believe that I got my leadership from my mother. My mom was the matriarch of the family. My mother consistently had the ability to care for others. She was the consummate host and she made things happen. Whenever something needed to be done, my mom was the one doing the rallying of all the neighbors or the rallying of the family to to get, either gather us together or to deliver on a cause. And uh, I'll remember when I was a young child, and, and so you, know, you talk about leadership or being given opportunities to lead. We had a, a local talent that was on TV named Colonel Clown. And Colonel Clown was tied in with Jerry Lewis and the muscular dystrophy effort. And so every year you were able to get a kit from Colonel Clown That allowed you to create a backyard carnival they gave you all the details how to do it and you raised money uh, for muscular dystrophy so my mom helped me. uh, create that in our backyard everything from throwing a sponge in somebody's face to opening up a lollipop and it had a piece of tape inside and you'd win something so the influence was here's a project put it together. So, you know, I was the kid who did home movies in the clubhouse with my buddy down the street and printed the tickets and put out posters and popped the popcorn and gave out the Kool-Aid and, you know, charged somebody like 50 cents to come in and watch a film. So I was always leading and trying to do things and being proactive to just make money. I was a snowblower kid doing driveways and raking leaves. I was always aggressive in that way.
0: And if I may use a, a word, ambitious
2: exactly yeah i i never stop i'm a certainly a type a personality but it all goes into creating something that pleases somebody else that's what i love to do and i learned that from my mom my mom would never have you come to our house and say all we got is spaghetti and meatballs jb hope you like it oh my god there was it it was a, we were short order cooks and i do that today in my home yeah it's just who we are it's just who i am i guess
1: Yes. Let's learn more about how you found your way to Disney and the turning point that got you there.
2: Well, that's a a classic story. I was graduating from high school. I needed a job because I was on my way to the University of Central Florida. I needed to have some funds to be able to pay for my apartment and my gas and my insurance. And there was a new McDonald's opening up down the street from my house. So at the time, those of you who remember 1976, uh, I had a lot of hair, wavy, curly hair. And I went in and filled out the application. And the guy said, cut your hair off, get a get a nice cut. This is what it needs to look like. And we'll hire you. Went and got a haircut. Very much what my hair looks like today. Very clean. And went back to McDonald's. And the guy goes, oh, I'm sorry. We don't have any more jobs open. Oh, my. I was a little devastated. Your but,
0: hair is part of your identity.
2: Yes, yes. And... Um, I uh, decided to look in the newspaper because I said, got to find a job. And it said immediate openings for lifeguards at Walt Disney World. So I went out to the casting center and the gentleman said, I'm Barry, great interview. Really liked you, hire you, but uh, we don't need any lifeguards right now. And I said, well, but, but you had something in the newspaper. And he goes, yes, I know, but we don't have any openings. Went home a little dejected. The next morning, I got a call about 8.30 in the morning. Barry said, come back, come back right away. We have an opening. We'd love to hire you. So I went back out to Disney and I started my career as a recreation host at the Polynesian, also known as a lifeguard, also known as a dock jock, working on the boats, putting out the water sprites. So yeah, that was my first job. And I remember working on the dock and coming home that night. I felt like my whole body was shifting in bed, like the water and the waves and the uh, you know, starting those engines all day long, but it was a great, great start with Disney.
1: Barry, I love your story about how you found your way to Disney. What's the takeaway from that story?
2: Yeah, I think the takeaway is perseverance. Never stop trying to reach your goals. Always look at every experience as an opportunity and take each opportunity and relish it. Sure, I was a little dejected, but I knew that the ultimate goal was having a job, so that I could have some extra money to be able to take care of some expenses. So persevere, don't ever give up.
0: All right, this is the uh, much anticipated question that wraps up our backstory segment. And Barry, that is, do you believe that leaders are born or made?
2: I believe leaders are made. My mom may have given me some DNA that helped with that, but I, I learned from emulating others and knowing who was a good leader and who was a poor leader. There are some people out there that unfortunately in leadership take on this omnipotent level of knowledge and I'm all knowing. I loved being the leader who, when I didn't know something, I'd ask a question or I'd go find the subject matter expert. So I would say that my leadership was formed from my mentors leaders learn from others and I, th- I think absolutely leaders are made not born
0: all right rebecca what are your reflections on listening to barry jacobson tell us about his backstory
1: you know barry is all about perseverance and just going in with these experiences like he shared he he needed a job he was going to school he needed money And he really had his hopes up on this one job and it didn't work out. So he took another job and it's how he wound up at Disney. And those experiences, he looks at them as building blocks and he persevered and you never know. And look, it gave him this incredible career at Disney. How about you, JB, what's your takeaway?
0: I can describe Barry Jacobson in a single word. And and for me, that word is ambition. And I find Barry's acknowledgment of his own ambition, very genuine and very inspiring. Even though he says that he believes leaders are made, you can just listen to his stories about when he was young. He is clearly somebody who knows how to take action and get things done. And I know that we're going to wind up talking about his ambition and perseverance again later in the interview. Our guest is Barry Jacobson. And when we come back, we're going to hear his observations on Disney leadership.
1: So please stay with us. Welcome to Leadership Life Stories, I'm Rebecca Morgan. My co-host is JB Adams and our guest is Barry Jacobson, former Disney leader and current owner of Barry Jacobson Consulting. In a moment, we're going to get your perspective on the evolution of Disney leadership over time. But before we do that, Barry. Okay, do you hear that? It's the sound of the train whistle, meaning that it's time to play Disney World Insider-Free Association, the game where there are no right or wrong answers, there are no winners or losers, and unfortunately, there are no prizes. But to play the game, no prizes. To play the game, we will provide you with a series of prompts about your Walt Disney World experience. And for each one, you say the very first thing that pops into your head. (laughs) Got it, Barry? So are you ready Uh, to play?
2: Oh, I'm ready to play, yes.
1: OK, what is your favorite Disney character?
2: Chimney Cricket.
0: Love it. Favorite Walt Disney World theme park.
2: Magic Kingdom.
1: Favorite Walt Disney World Resort.
2: Aloha, the Polynesian Resort.
1: Ooh.
0: Favorite attraction that is still operating today.
2: Peter Pan, Peter Pan's flight.
1: Favorite attraction that is no longer operating.
2: Skyway in the Magic Kingdom.
0: Mmm. Alright, favorite restaurant and meal.
2: Hoop-de-doo, hoop-de-doo. I love the hoop-de-doo at Pioneer Hall. All the ribs and fried chicken you can eat, amazing. And the greatest show. I love it. And now I'm hungry.
1: No lie. And I want strawberry shortcake. Anyways. Anything at Walt Disney World in your opinion? Overrated.
2: No, I I think that that, uh, nothing is overrated at Walt Disney World. It's the experience of a lifetime.
0: Very safe. Anything at Walt Disney World underrated?
2: Transportation. People forget that the buses, the monorails, the Skyliner, all those things are built into those prices that you pay. And that's an amazing operation to move that many people around in such an expeditious fashion.
0: Barry Jacobson, thank you for playing Walt Disney World Insider Free Association. We love learning about your favorites. Sorry, no prizes. Okay, Rebecca, before we jump into the interview, we need to set a little context.
1: All right. Is there a quiz?
0: Kind of. We're going to start by just explaining to our listeners that Barry Jacobson is someone who worked on, you know, some very unique and special experiences. How would we describe those, Rebecca?
1: Well, Barry was responsible for working with groups like the board of directors, with VIPs that would come to property, and he was tasked with organizing their stay and their experience while they were on property.
0: Yeah, so so if I may, the difference with Barry is that he worked on things that were sort of one time, one and done, and he had to make each one of those experiences special, and he also had to live up to these disney expectations and you know rebecca what they say about disney and expectations
1: (laughs) that we're here to exceed them
0: yes expectations need to be exceeded um but i also want to set some other context in this way barry's going to tell a story about the inception of his career building these unique experiences and he's going to mention something that he calls barry's limo service but in that context (laughs) <laughs> where you mentioned vips
1: you know i never worked for barry's limo service although i was a vip tour guy and i know exactly what he's talking about because yeah
0: yeah if i was working with the vips different rebecca in traditions we were told that every guest is a vip
1: absolutely but as we talked about it's all about exceeding expectations and to do that a lot of times for your vips we do have to raise the bar because their level of experience is completely different.
0: Oh, oh, and So wait, are, are you saying that because of who they are and what they have seen in the world, their expectations are already very high?
1: Yes, absolutely. So Barry was tasked with exceeding those expectations, which are already at an extremely high level. Ah,
0: gotcha. In addition to that, Barry's going to mention the names of Don Tatum, Card Walker, Ray Watson, Ron Miller, they were the top level Disney executives in the 1970s and 1980s. Yeah, And with that, we're now ready to listen to Barry Jacobson describe his observations on Disney leadership.
1: Okay, Barry, we wanna get your perspective on Disney leadership. How did you witness leadership styles evolving over time? Because you were there a pretty significant amount of time.
2: Yes, thank you, Rebecca, for reminding me how old I am. I appreciate that. (laughs) Sorry. You know, what I was fortunate uh, to be able to do in my career was work with incredible leaders throughout the Walt Disney Company. And I started in 1977 and traditions, it was called orientation back then, but traditions really put you in the right frame of mind to understand what Walt Disney himself went through. And when I think about the leaders that I was fortunate enough to work with, they emulated Walt. Walt was a risk taker. Walt didn't rest on his laurels. Walt always wanted to push the envelope farther and farther to deliver on the guest experience. So, you know, my opportunities were fortuitous. I don't even know how lucky I was as a young kid to work in resort special activities. Back in the day, it was called Disney Special Activities, DSA. We lovingly called it Barry's Limos because we were responsible for picking up and taking care of every VIP, every celebrity, every government official, and every Disney corporate leader that would come into Walt Disney World. So I got to meet the likes of Don Tatum, Card Walker, Ray Watson, Ron Miller. These are Disney Titans. These are Disney legends. These are the guys who formed the company with Walt and i saw the presence that they had and you know as a leader having presence is critical those guys would come in and they were always sharply dressed they were always professional they always looked like they stepped out of the disney lookbook right and uh you know there's so many throughout my years all these people have the same type of passion for excellence and a passion to make things happen and understand By taking risks, you're going to deliver an experience. So that is something that I emulate in my leadership styles. And you can see it with people like, for example, Michael Eisner. When Michael Eisner came in, we were struggling. We were struggling, for example, in food and beverage. Food and beverage was happening over in a central kitchen. And we're making spaghetti sauce there and sandwiches there. And they're all being distributed out to various locations. And Michael said, no, 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 we need to be better at food and beverage. So he brought in these guys from Marriott and it was a disruptor. Okay. People were not happy, but had he not done that, we would not have the magnificence of the California grill, flying fish, Chico. Um, Michael added to the resort operations. We added more hotels, Grand Floridian, Caribbean beach, boardwalk, yacht and beach club. He upended the movie business and the animation business and cruise line. And theatrical. So that's Michael. Okay. Think about Walt and all the things Walt did. For example, he's going to open a theme park. His wife said, Why would you want to open an amusement park? They're filthy, they're dirty, that's not what we the business we want to be in. But Walt said, No, mine's gonna be different. I'm going to be intentionally different. And so that's what I look at with this thread of Walt and all the other CEOs. And then we get to Michael Eisner and gosh, Bob Iger. Look at what he's done. He has added franchises to the company. He has created the digital effort with Disney Plus. All of these things are disruptors. All of these things are forward thinking. And that's what it takes to be an extraordinary leader, not only at Disney, but in any business. If you sit back and watch things fly by and you're not on the cutting edge, and if you're not always innovating, innovate or die so if you think about disney leadership and i emulate that in my leadership style always push the envelope always go for more always persevere and find ways to deliver extraordinary experiences for your frontline team and for the guests
1: all right jb time to reflect what do you think about what barry shared with us
0: I'm always intrigued with stories of the top leaders. And so Barry worked very closely with Michael Eisner and lots of other top Disney leaders. So I like hearing about that experience. And one thing that he said really got my attention because it reminded me of when I first joined the company, he talked about growth and construction and new resorts being built and new theme parks being built. And what that says to me is because of that growth, it allowed the company to reach more guests and at the same time it also means that we could hire more cast members and that means that we could give more opportunities to lead to more people and so when you see an organization in a period of growth there's so much opportunity there and that's my takeaway from what barry said what do you think rebecca
1: well the takeaway for me is about being intentional and so all the things you shared was being intentional so we could get more guests so we could accommodate more people so we could have more people enjoy the parks, to have different attractions and experiences for people to have. So they'd want to come back time and time again. So that was a really exciting time in the company for growth. I, I think you would agree, right? It was pretty cool. To see yeah. It.
0: Leading means exactly what Barry said. It's being on the cutting edge. Um, now, is it easy being on the cutting edge? No, it's not. But the Disney company has been on that edge for, gosh, for decades.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it keeps going. It just keeps going and i think as leaders the takeaway is just be intentionally different right do not do things like everyone is doing how can you do it even if just slightly different from what everyone else is doing and that's how you're going to stand out
0: and i would i would add one more thing to this conversation that you and i are Mm -hmm. having Mm -hmm. the decisions that keep a company on the cutting edge are not made by machines they're made by people And so that's where the risk taking comes in is we're going to make this huge investment in something that's entertainment and an experience, and it could flop and it could cost millions of dollars. It could cost billions of dollars (laughs) in some cases. So these are high stakes decisions. So, you know, gratitude to Barry for pointing that out to us.
1: This brings us to the end of part one of a two-part interview with Barry Jacobson. In our next episode, we are gonna hear his thoughts on how to persevere and achieve your goals. And he'll also share his best leadership advice.
0: So please tune in. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. You can find Leadership Life Stories and all other Victor Media Group podcasts at victormediagroup.co. Leadership Life Stories was created by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell. Today's episode was co-hosted by Rebecca Morgan and J.B. Adams. Sound design by Michael Orlowski. Mixing and editing by Manny Simone. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow us at Victor Media Group on your favorite social media platform. This is J.B. Adams. And until next time, remember, if you can dream it, you can do it.